Welcome to tomorrow's Leader Spotlight. I am John Laredo, your host and CEO of the Laredo Group. It is our mission to help leaders tap into the unique skills that help them transform their own life, the organizations they lead, and the people that they influence. Everyone is a leader, and leadership is learnable. If you'd like to learn ways to take your leadership to the next level, stick around at the end of the episode. I'll give you some easy steps to take. Or if you'd like to be a guest on tomorrow's Leader Spotlight, I'll share with you how you can apply. All right, let's get things going. All right, welcome to today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader, where we dive deep on all things leader-related, related to leading yourself and leading others. I'm John Reader, your host, today with a great guest for you. I've got Doncho Dimkov, who is the founder and CEO of Bisbee Solutions. Uh, he's also the author of the recently released book, Sweet Leads, available on Amazon and all the places you find great books. So, Doncho, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, John. Thank you very much for having me. And I'm so excited to actually share my story and hopefully share some insight that people can use. Yeah, well, I think you actually set the record for the farthest geographic distance for one of my <laughs> guests. So you, you are a day and a half ahead in time zones, uh, which is pretty cool. And whereabouts are you based right now? Uh, well, I'm currently based in Macedonia. And uh, funny enough, people usually don't know where is Macedonia. And don't worry, I get it. We're 2 million people in total. So we're just like a suburb from a big city. But when I actually need to promote Macedonia, I said, well, do you know Alexander the Great? Well, he's Macedonian. And do you know Mother Therese? Well, she's Macedonian. So I stop here. With those two people, we have a good credibility. There you go. All right. Two well-known people. <laughs> so excellent. Well, it is great to have you. And maybe someday somebody will use your name as in that group as uh, somebody, hey, you <laughs> Dancho the Great. Dancho. Well, excellent. So I, 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 you and I were chatting a little bit. I really love your concept around leadership. You started your company with a really specific idea in your mind of how you were going to lead Bisbee Solutions. So share with the audience a little bit about that. What's your philosophy and how do you actually go about it? Yeah, John, well, when I saw that the podcast is Tomorrow's Leaders, I was really excited to, to come in and share my story because before I started Bisbee Solution, I was working as a digital nomad. I mean, you know the drill, me and my wife in a car traveling around Europe, you go to a different country every day, you sleep wherever you find, you work a bit, you travel. And then we've realized that, you know what, this is good at these ages, but if you want to do a serious business, you need to start a formal company something that will help us to take a step back because at some point I actually got sick and you know when I'm sick I don't earn money my wife doesn't earn money and that is a problem mm -hmm. and we said well you know what we actually need the business that even if we want to plan to start a family or if you want to even just have a holiday you need a company that will continue operating without you and just mm -hmm. by that thought we said well you know what if we are starting a business we're going to start it exactly like that we're building a self-sustainable, completely decentralized, independent company. And I don't mean by having a bunch of remote people working. We're all situated in the same state, in the same country, in the same city. We, we have physical offices. But the whole mindset of the leadership was that, you know what? We need people that can work on their own. We don't need people that need permission about everything and micromanagement and they're not sure. And, they, and of course, there is a transition period. We don't expect from day one you should be fully sustainable. But when we started BSB from scratch with zero money, actually, uh, we hired interns. We got four interns. We were paying them, I don't know, just food and travel, several hundred dollars. 
And it's funny, the first day I said with them, and guys, I'm here for you. Ask me, kill me with questions as much as you want. But the moment you will no longer need me, you're hired. That's, that's the philosophy and that's how I wanted to see it. And when you start like that, they ask a lot of questions. Don't get me wrong, they killed me. But their whole mindset was, okay, we need to figure out the way how to start making decisions without Dancho. Whether they'll make mistakes, of course, I do still mistakes a lot. But the moment you become comfortable in making mistakes, then you no longer need the micromanagement. Because white people usually ask for something because they're afraid that if they do it, what they think, they'll make a mistake. Mm -hmm. And in my head was that the more I encourage them to start making mistakes from the start, the easier they'll pass that boundaries and they'll accept that it's okay to, to be wrong. And that's how you learn, actually. Mm -hmm. And from that culture, we're now 28 people full-time in-house. Wow. But still, I have a project manager that fully handles the, the, the operations. We have a marketing manager, a sales manager. And you know what, uh, John, it's funny. I, I can take a whole month away from the business knowing that the company, it's not just sustaining, but it's keep growing. Marketing are bringing new leads. Sales are closing it. Execution is fulfilling it. So yeah. it is a well-oiled machine. Yeah, it's interesting. And you kind of take a different approach than I've seen a lot of leaders, which I really like your approach. A lot of leaders want themselves to be almost in the center of everything. Like, hey, they feel like if they're not needed or not involved, then they're not leading. Your approach was really empowering them, right? So you're you're trying to make pull yourself out almost of the equation. And I mean that in a really positive way, because it's not that you don't have an interest or passion around it. But the opposite, you want people that are not that are self-sufficient, that are not reliant on you. You want them to learn how to do their role and how to lead. Really, you're, you're leading and developing leaders. Exactly. And John, it is the harder way because you need to teach them. You need to train them. But, you know, when you get the group of people and then over the course of a few months, you see who has the capacities to become independent. And within a month, you know who this guy, there's no way even in six months, even in five years, he'll be, Dancho, should I do it like this or like that? And I'm like, we positioned ourselves as a culture in the company is that we surrounded ourselves with decision makers. Good or bad decision, it doesn't matter. But I've started it with an idea that I need to be able to take a step back from the company. In my head was that, you know, I can go on a lot of holidays and enjoy life. But I really love this job. We really love the B2B lead generation. So luckily, I'm now not involved in the day-to-day -day operations. So I can focus on the strategics, like figuring out new services, uh, writing the book, which took a lot of effort. And if you're day-to-day, -day, when are you going to start writing a book? Or we do now with the consulting or we're building an academy. I can focus on so many strategic steps on how to align BSB on the next level mm -hmm. rather than, okay, there is a, a day off or if a client is complaining or if we're having a new client, I'm just completely trying to focus on, on growing the business, working on the business rather than in the business. Yeah, that makes total sense. I like that. And you're right, because leaders that get caught in the minutiae don't have time to physically or mentally get in the right place and start to think about ways to grow, how to uh, work with, uh, you know, developing more influence in their brand and their organization. So I, I'm 100% in agreement with you. I like that. You also and, talked, and, and let me ask you another follow-up question to that. So you've got, your model basically is the reward for them for learning how to do it on their own, basically, as they have now position in your organization. So you're breeding the right culture for sure. 
Is there a downside at all that? Do you find that there are then times where people are trying to almost convince you that they can do it on their own when they're really not ready to? And how do you avoid that type of situation? Well, I actually have two downsides. The first thing is it's scary. Don't get me wrong. Delivering your baby, your company that you've grown from scratch to, to someone else's hand that you believe that you can do it better, but at the end of the day, they need to start doing it better and better. So as an owner, for me, it's scary that I took a step back from sales, from marketing, from the other departments. And the other part is that the downside is that it takes time to breathe. We've tried hiring directly experienced people from, from other companies, but then they bring their culture with them. And you know, well, in this company, the boss did micromanagement, so I have to run everything by you. And by breathing, now uh, I, I'm thinking that current project managers and current sales managers and current marketing managers have been interns in BSB, maybe four, maybe five years ago. But in that way, I know that I take them from university, okay, or with maybe very little experience. And then I teach them and I give them tasks. And as they show capacities, I increase the responsibilities. So it's not like, hi, John, from tomorrow, you're a project manager. Good luck, mate. Uh, it's more like uh, you give them to grow based on their capacities. Don't get me wrong. Not everybody has the same capacities to learn and capacity to grow, but they all start from the same and then you just open the field. If you mm -hmm. see that they show the progressive, proactive interest, you increase their, their responsibilities. Of course, you raise their salary as well, but mm -hmm. at some point you're like, okay, you're good at this. Are you interested to try in a management role? And all the managers actually have been interns, so they know that part. They've done the execution, so they know that part. So when they come as a project manager, they already have the, the, the data and the experience. Even if they become into sales, they've already done the work. So as a salespeople, they know not just how to sell, but actually mm -hmm. how, to, how to do the job. Yeah, that makes total sense. I like that uh, philosophy a lot. You and I were talking also about how you've been influenced by certain leaders. And most people can point, most leaders can point to somebody that, had a lot of influence. You had a couple of people and they were very, very different styles from each other. And you kind of adopted a little bit from each. Share a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. I mean, John, how, how we become leaders? Well, you actually start with a different work in a different company and we learn from our bosses. I mean, what they do, that's how we grow. And then that's what we do at the end of the day. And I, I actually had two different companies over the course of three years in the one company, three years in the two, so six years experience. Well, in the first company, actually, it was a non-governmental organization. It was non-profit. So the focus was just, you know, at the beginning of a year, we got a lot of money and we needed to spend it by the end of the year. And the project manager there was really process-oriented. And by process-oriented, you know, human-oriented, process-oriented, ensuring that all interested parties are involved in the conversation, participation of everybody, trying not to offend anyone which I really loved. I mean, if you ask me, when you are where you put people up front and when you put the process, always good things happen. But the difference there was that there was no pressure of profits, of revenues, because it's a cost unit. So at the end of the day, you just need to spend, spend, spend and try to make the better living in, in Macedonia. And that boss that I had, I learned so much how to talk with people, how to, you know, when you're doing something to consider what they will think, what they will think, what they will think. So how this action actually affects everybody and being more compassionate about it. And I really thought that, okay, that was my only experience. So that's the right way. And then I switched company and I went to a different company. It was a software development company. 
and then the, the leadership style were completely the opposite way. Like no process, no people, results. And I was like, wait, but if you want to do something, step one is to gather everybody and brainstorm. And step two is you need to involve everybody in the process. Step three, they're like, can we skip all that and just do this? And I was like, why? <laughs> I mean, I'm confused, like a complete mindset drift. And then I've realized that from his perspective, he's like, I'm result driven. I need to deliver results. What are the hacks? What are the tricks? What are the workarounds that I can do? And in software, you know, there is a bug and there is a right way how to solve a bug. Or there you can just type a few codes around the bug that could just work around it instead of solving in the bug. And in the software development, that style was quite encouraged because it's cheaper and faster. If it's something needs to be done properly in five to 10 days, well, in half an hour, you can do it. And, but an extremely output oriented. So then I've realized that the HR is suffering, the processes are suffering, there are no standardization. It's just that this happened. What's the easiest way to go around it? Let's do it like this. And that's about it. Mm -hmm. And for me, myself, coming from a people and process previous experience, and then I was really to extreme output leadership style, I started building my own style. And I think that between the clashes of these two, I've realized that, yeah, you need all three. And I mean, yeah, everybody knows that everything is important, but keeping in balance that, okay, sometimes the output is important, but in many cases, you need to take care of the process because if you get everybody involved, people know what they're what is expected of them. It's not mm -hmm. like, uh, hi, John, you need to solve this problem. I don't care how, but if you're not, you're fired. I mean, who would work in a company like that? Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if it's like, John, we have a problem, let's figure out together how to solve it. And then if you contribute with the idea, I know you have the ownership of the process and then you will be fully motivated to, to implement and to execute. So mm -hmm. in my head, I've realized that all three has to be a balance. If you focus just on one, you, you're not going to succeed. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, I mean, it totally makes sense. And I think a lot of times leaders get caught in that mindset of trying to become somebody that they might not be. They're trying so hard to be that leader that influenced them the most. They forget who they are. And what I hear you saying is it's important to take a bunch of different styles, things that you see from different people, and then make it your own and become your own leader. Yeah, exactly. And of course, you need to be comfortable in your skin. At the end yeah. of the day, there are so many self-proclaimed gurus that you can follow, but they could be very pushy, salesy and stuff. And if you focus on that and by nature, if you're not that kind of person, mm -hmm. you'll be very stressed. You'll be unhappy because you are mimicking something that's not true to your nature. So yeah. even when we're looking for influencers or consultants or coaches, I always recommend, well, try someone that is on the same frequency to you. Because then you know that you can actually learn some good stuff that could help your life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I uh, I love the, for those uh, of my audience that are watching this, because this goes out on video on YouTube as well, they'll notice the great product placement in your back, behind your back left shoulder, your brand new book that came out. I see a big uh, sign there, Sweet Leads, available on Amazon, of course, and many other places. Uh, congrats on the book, by the way. Is this your first book? Yeah, yeah. Terrific. John, uh, I, if I knew what I'm getting myself into, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> I Honestly, know, my friend. I, I just I, went through it myself. I saw your book. I saw your page. I found it fascinating. And actually, I might uh, funnel hack a bit the page structure that you have for the book because they really like the structure and how it's organized. But honestly, publishing a book is not something that you just sit, 
lock yourself into into the room and write for for a time it took me like two years to to really write it but it goes back again to the leadership john because while i was writing the book i was actually trying to document all the processes and systems that we had at bisbee for Mm -hmm. me it was like a revelation because it's like okay how do you actually identify who is your ideal clients well at bisbee we do this 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 and i'm like wait a minute why why are we doing it like this yeah. Then I go back to the company and say, guys, we need to change this. We need to change this. So I mm-hmm. fix the process, come back and continue writing the book. So for yeah. me, the book was really as a journal, as a reflection on what we do at BSB, how we do it, what are the frameworks, the steps that we use, the tools, really like a self-diagnosis or self-analysis on, on what we're doing. Yeah, great. I love it. So tell, tell if I get the book, tell, tell readers a little bit about what are the, the messages? What do they get from this book? And what are they going to walk away with, so to speak? Sure. I, I have a copy of the printed version here. Well, mm-hmm. with the sweet leads, uh, the, the focus of the book is how to reach out to cold prospects through email and LinkedIn for B2B high ticket service providers. I mean, I'm standing still on the ground that there are so many spammy and pushy and salesy ways on how people are reaching out. And we don't want it. I mean, we took the real life concept when you go to a B2B event, you actually talk with several people like, hi, my name is John or my name is Dancho. What do you do? What I do? And if you see there is connection, you exchange some cards and you follow up. In the real life, you never go like, hi, my name is Dancho. Would you buy my products? Hi, my name is Dancho. Hi, my name. It doesn't work like that. And in the digital world, people shift their mindset and they start spamming everybody. Like million emails with a success of 0.000 something, they're going to get some results, but they're annoying 99.999 of the people. And the book is really six chapters in total, in which three are how to plan a campaign and the, three, the other three is how to execute. So in the first chapter, quickly, is that we're trying to define what's the ideal target audience, the ICP, because the more laser focused you're doing the outreach, the more the results you're going to get. The chapter two is actually how to build a database. There are so many lists and databases and LinkedIn, so how you can actually find the right companies, qualify them, find the right people within these companies, and then find their contact information. In chapter three, in the planning stage, is actually how to optimize your LinkedIn profile, how to create the... Uh, outreach messages not to be spammy or pushy but actually how to be conversation starters i mean we forgot how to reach out to someone and hi let's connect and let's engage some conversation everybody are like hi do you want to buy no next one hi do you want to buy no so with these three stages you have a plan then with chapter four actually is that how to properly do an email and linkedin outreach we we didn't want it to include the cold calling because if you ask me i was never a fan of when people cold call me and with the email and linkedin you can respond at your own convenience so whether you're going to use automation whether you're going to do it manually but what is the right way to reach out through linkedin and email Mm -hmm. then is that it doesn't stop there people start responding you need to be able to know how to nurture these responses how to actually engage and excite them so they would be interested to come on a call and the last part is that as time goes how to start optimizing the campaigns in order to to further improve the results so Mm -hmm. six simple chapters three are in the planning three are in the execution and we cover both aspects on a strategic level how to plan it and how to conceptualize it and then we cover the operational how to actually do it with like okay now you can use these tools or uh, you can do this and you can do that so it's really strategic and operational guide on how high ticket service providers and by high ticket service providers i'm thinking about coaches consultants trainers agencies marketing agencies sales agency and tech Mm -hmm. whether it's a software development companies or software as a services how they can use linkedin and email in order to to get a lot of appointments 
Mm -hmm. I love it. Excellent. Well, uh, and people can get the book on Amazon. I know any other places that are good for them to go. Is that the best place? Well, um, John, the book is actually published on uh, through a UK publishing house. So it's actually available everywhere. If you go to Barnes and Nobles or any major online book retailer, the Kindle version is there. The printed version is there. We're working now on the audio version, but English is not my really native English, uh, native language. So I really have to find probably some voiceover or something that, that's going to be more pleasant English. But uh, as it is a book published through a publishing house, it's available everywhere. Oh. I mean, we have it on our website, even on bsbsolution.com. But uh, yeah. Just reach out to any of those spots, sweet, look for sweet leads. We even made it sweet because the BSB branding is about honey. So we yeah. said a sweet lead is actually not just a random lead in a database, but actually yeah. a person that engaged with you, it's interesting, it's, it's consuming your content, and yeah. they're interested in, in a meeting. Well, I love it. I uh, will put all the in the show notes for the audience. We'll put all the links so they can get to the book. Uh, we've been here with Doncho Dimkov, founder and CEO of Bisbee Solutions, author of Sweet Leads, a great book recently released. Uh, Doncho, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, John, thank you very much for, for the invitations. I, I really hope that I tried some, to add some value or at least different perspective to the listeners of Tomorrow's Leader. And uh, I really enjoyed talking about Bisbee, about leadership, because I know that when people are exposed to different points of views, they're going to just sit home and like, okay, that I never thought about it. What if I try to do some changes in my leadership style in order to, to become a better person at the end? Yep. Well, it's all about learning from other people and getting 1% better every week. And every podcast provides some something that people can take away, and this one included. So I appreciate it. And uh, thank you all for listening today. As always, I appreciate your suggestions on future con uh, content, as well as guests. And uh, as always, appreciate you liking, sharing, subscribing, and of course, go down below, give a five-star review, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again, Dacho. Thanks, John. John Laredo here. Thank you so much for listening to Tomorrow's Leader Spotlight. If you are a successful leader or business owner who would like to be on this program, please visit our website, johnlarito.com. Go right to the podcast page and right up top, you'll see a button that says apply here. If you got something out of this interview and you'd like to share this episode on social media, I love that. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone, text it to a friend, post it on whatever social media outlet you'd like to. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show and also include the hashtag Tomorrow's Leader. I love seeing your posts. I love getting your guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any episodes. Go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, reviews also go a long way to help promote the show and really do mean a lot to me and our team. Want to know more? Go to our website, johnlarito.com. Follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. I'm all over the place. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.